Welcome to Pipeline Conversations, a machine learning podcast by ZenML. I'll be having some conversations with the people behind the tools that ZenML offers as integrations. We spoke with Ben Wilson a few weeks back, and today I'm pleased to publish this conversation with Emily Drell, co-founder and CTO of Evidently, an open source tool tackling the problem of monitoring of models and data for machine learning. We discussed the challenges around building a tool that is both straightforward to use while also customizable and powerful. We also got into the thinking behind how they grew their community and blog along the way. As always, please let us know if you have guests you'd like me to speak to by sending a message to us on Slack or by emailing podcast at zenml.io. So, uh, my name is Emily. I'm co-founder and CTO at Evidently, uh, where we build open source tool to monitor, analyze, and validate machine learning models uh, in production. I believe that's an important point. Uh, so, uh, actually, I came from the computer science industry. So, um, I graduated uh, from the Applied Mathematics and Programming Faculty, uh, and uh, since that, I just got the first internship in uh, online search engine company, and since uh, that moment, I worked in IT. Uh, started as the general software engineer. Uh, I uh, wrote in C++, then switched to Python, and actually, at the very beginning, I really didn't like the language, <laughs> because no typing, no things like this, you can do nothing with the memory yourself, so a lot of things, and I was like, Oh my God, who actually will ever write something in production in Python? But mm -hmm. apparently, <laughs> no, I uh, myself use it in production. So just funny thing. Uh, and then after uh, being a software engineer for a year, uh, I learned something about machine learning because um, in uh, Yandex back then, it's a search engine company, uh, there is the ranking formula, which uh, helps to find the relevant pages for user queries they used machine learning and I was so like fascinated by the technology. So I started to learn things. And uh, after like a couple of years, the company decided to like share the expertise and start providing these services to other companies. And I kind of volunteered to <laughs> try it. And there uh, I learned a lot of things about the using machine learning in production, especially for uh, more uh, classical non-IT uh, domain areas. And it was a lot of fun. So I believe that particular uh, part of my life inspired me to work on Evidently because I figured out that uh, actually building machine learning model itself and even building a service on top of it is something that you pretty much can do with the existing uh, tools and uh, expertise. But uh, when it comes to really supporting this model for a long time, there are a lot of different things that happens. And um, I felt, at least at that time, that there is kind of a lack of nice tools that can help you to like do it in a very straightforward way. Yeah, I guess if you have a maths and computer science background, at some point you hit machine learning. like. <laughs> That's, yeah, know. that's true. <laughs> um, so, yeah, tell me a little bit about the 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 backstory between behind evidently, like where where you came up with uh, with that, where where that came from, and and yeah, what what it does. Uh, yeah, sure, that's interesting. But we met with Elena many many years ago. Now I believe we know each other like for 
around 10 years. So <laughs> really, uh, that's, that's a really long story. So uh, we met back then where we had to deploy machine learning based service in manufacturing company. And it was pretty uh, complicated task for us because, well, there are a lot of uh, new uh, information systems that we never seen before uh, working in uh, IT companies. So manufacturing is like really another world. Uh, and uh, we faced a lot of different challenges, uh, starting from how you gather this uh, data from the sensors, how do you process it, uh, how you spin up a service in the closed uh, perimeter and things like this we really understood that we uh, have a very nice fit to each other. So we liked to learn things, to solve issues. And uh, we succeeded with that project. So we finally <laughs> built that service, which helped to uh, decrease the usage of raw materials and optimize that. Uh, and we uh, figured out that like uh, at the very beginning, when we just deployed the service, it worked pretty, worked pretty fine and there were no issues with that. But like several uh, weeks later, we had to intervene and uh, update the model. And actually it was not easy at all because we had to query data to like manually load it, um, connect different pieces of data to each other. And it was a lot of manual work actually. And we figured out that um, really this is the common issue, common problem for many companies, especially who operate in more uh, like, uh, let's say uh, older industries where they don't really uh, work a lot with the data and where the main process is more physical, let's say, or offline. And we decided that, well, probably there are a lot of uh, things that can be <coughs> automated. And we both uh, had uh, an interest uh, in building products and an open source because it's very, very nice feeling when you, create something and can like publicly share, share it with the audience and get some uh, feedback and share opinions. So we just figure out that we like it. And we decided firstly, just try to like build something and see <laughs> how it uh, will go. And uh, later it brings us to Evidentia. Mm -hmm. It's funny that you have kind of uh, um, roots in kind of manufacturing optimization yeah. and so on, because that's also where ZML comes from as well, somehow in its, oh, its cool. background as well. Um, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> Very nice. Um, so, yeah, so, so I mean, um, ZML integrates with, uh, with, with Evidently, and we've seen like a ton of people using it in in their pipelines um, uh, as a way of of monitoring their data, monitoring their models, and so on. Like, what are the what are the key problems that 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 people have? Um, you know, once they've trained their models, let's say that that evidently helps them with. I believe generally it can be fair to say that um, machine learning models and building machine learning models is pretty complicated task just because you never had really a deterministic input. I mean, not like input format, but you cannot uh, really set the narrow uh, limitations or narrow expectations for each individual feature and that's it. So you should be ready for that you can get as an input like everything, right? Mm -hmm. And this is why you should build something uh, robust, but, you, but uh, from other point of view, you cannot really spend a lot of time for checking because the model is, pretty generally machine learning models uh, has pretty um, confidentially complicated algorithms and it already takes a lot of time. So you should to find the balance. 
And uh, I believe um, generally people have a lot of problems with the um, learning um, serving skill when you trade your model on the fixed data set and you pretty much like like how it performs but later when you move it to production you will start getting a lot of things started from data processing issues like <laughs> i don't know broken sensor in manufacturing or uh some uh, errors in pipelines uh to things like data drift or dark drift and it's really like hard to keep an eye on everything this is why i believe having uh, tools which helps you to observe what is happening without uh needs to have a like huge expertise in statistics visualization and engineering can really help a lot with that. Yeah, I mean, you definitely, um, I think you're, de you're definitely correct that it's, it's, it's a very, very complicated thing to do. And, um, but like, there's, there's a mix in terms of how, the, how the tools approach it, like some tools try to completely take away all of the complexity from the user. And, um, you know, it, then it's just, it's kind of like magic, but then you also have the fact that the complexity exists and, you know, there, there is some real like stuff around statistics and, and so on going on as well. So given that you're a tool, which like helps people understand or explain some of, some of the, the things in between these two areas, like, how do you. How do you balance creating a tool which is like super complicated and like a thousand like yeah just like something which only someone with a math phd can use versus people who only know the like the magic part of of machine learning you really hit a sore point with this question because we naturally ask uh, ourselves every time whether we are more a uh, tool for um Tool that helps you to build uh, everything from a small modules, or we a tool with the very nice uh, defaults, which helps you to like easily spin up whatever you want. In our case, reports, and just uh, work with this. We are trying to design our APIs in that way that uh, users can easily get the final results like out of the box. So for now, it's like a couple of commands where you just specify what you want. It can be either a profile to log your data somewhere, database, for example, uh, or visual report to observe it in browser. And now we are working on test suits. It's something closer to, um, um, uh, to the things that you use for checking uh, some metrics and tests on top of your data. Uh, so this can be done easily like in uh, <laughs> three or four commands in Python. Uh, and I believe when you're just starting to work with your uh, machine learning models, or if you have like something um, that you use in a batch mode, like a couple of times a week or maybe in months, then uh, it shouldn't be more complex than that. Because it's uh, to me a bit questionable when you have to spend more resources on setting up the monitoring service compared to uh, the building the machine learning based service itself. Uh, so this is why we're trying to like keep at least uh, this API pretty simple. But from other point of view, uh, I deeply feel maybe that's because uh, I'm biased to manufacturing a bit. <laughs> but uh, in many, many spheres and uh, for many problem statements, you cannot really get something uh, that can be described as one size fits all because like you always need to customize something sometimes you want to use another statistical test sometimes you want to measure drift 
without any statistical tests, just because you want to keep another approach, right? And uh, this is why we try to optimize all the interfaces, even on the intermediate levels, because we know that there are some users who prefer to take some smaller modules uh, of evidently and use them directly. For example, I was pretty surprised when one user uh, came to our GitHub and <laughs> created an issue where he mentioned that we changed some low-level API and it wasn't uh, on a release notes. And I was so surprised, like, how do you even, like, uh, noticed that? And he said, actually, that he was interested in using analyzers purely. And this is uh, something that uh, we actually um, happy about and trying to make sure that we do not have really um, very complicated interfaces which users cannot use so we try to still have it like a toolbox but with a very simple high level interface probably this will work but <laughs> i know that a lot of companies and products like end up with this uh, trying to fit for all scenarios but we try to like maybe somehow solve it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how much um like how much of this is nothing to do with what you write in your in your code base because I, I mean i know you um you spend a lot of time and you have like great um blogs and educational material which i definitely would recommend people people check out um but it's 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 almost like um uh you you need to like educate your user base at the same time as you're building the tool as well so that you don't give people i don't know a full sense of security or that it's that it really is like too easy like um yeah like how, how do you balance balance that in, in in your heads uh for me it's super hard because i feel myself more like an engineer and sometimes when i like um invest a lot of time in creating examples or writing the blogs i feel like i'm doing something wrong and i need like to come back to my engineering uh, stuff and writing more code but my co-founder elena really uh, inspires me to do that she shows me that people really benefit from it and this helps a lot to like find the space uh, in head to uh, do it and uh, actually personally i like to connect these people and see uh, how they use the tool what causes the problems and uh, what issues they have with their machine learning services. Uh, and um, we understand that you cannot just like write a great tool and uh, leave it uh, in open source um, with this, um, <laughs> I don't know, with the idea that someone will just find it and use it in a proper way. So we believe that when you build the uh, observability tool, it's important to share how exactly it works and uh, share something around these cases because you can exchange the opinion and uh, people really sometimes, I would, I would better say often, share very nice ideas and uh, like great, great designs on how evidently it can be used in different pipelines. So what we do with the team, we all answer the issues. We have a pretty nice Discord channel where literally everyone answering the questions and take part in the conversations. I wish I could uh, do this more, but now before releases, really everybody have their heads down and write the code. But uh, I don't um, uh, advise anyone to underestimate the importance of building the community because it, 
uh, at the end of the day, when you have a lot of work and you really, um, I don't know, feel a bit fatigue out of it, this is something that can inspire you to move on and continue your work. Um, how does that work in because uh, obviously you mentioned like evidently is a, is an open source tool um how how has that been like both like working on the tool in in the open source space like interacting with with other people um in uh other tools or other other community members and so on and like what what are the advantages or benefits that you've that you've seen from from that approach Oh, that's very interesting because it's my first open source project and same for all the other team members. We have, have never had this experience of work, working open, in open source. So at the very beginning, we made like a lot of mistakes <laughs> and now we're trying to like cover uh, all of it. And um, I believe the but first learning. Why did you choose open source to start with then, if none of you came from that background? Uh, just because we really uh, used a lot of open source tools uh, and we wanted to like um, give back to the community. So we felt like there is something we can share and we wanted to uh, do it. And honestly, uh, we tried to look for uh, open source neutral solutions. Now there are quite a lot of them, but back then <laughs> there were nothing else and we decided that it makes a lot of sense. So I, I, I interrupted while you were talking about like the, the, the benefits there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> benefits and learnings, that's uh, uh, the topic I really like because I had really unrealistic expectations about uh, working in open source. And uh, I felt like uh, users really understand that it's just a new version and uh, it can have a lot of uh, bugs and problems. But uh, when someone sees some library, uh, uh like <laughs> available in pipe uh users have pretty high expectations on how it should work so this is something we still trying to like cover because we need to uh, fix a lot of things with the documentation public api and so on but still there are a lot of um benefits because first uh, you cannot like create the um, unrealistic picture for yourself and uh, like leave is believing uh in this picture because it's really really um fast how you get this feedback and if no one using your tool if no one downloaded from pipe you just cannot lie continue lie to yourself that you're doing something right so this is uh the thing i especially like about it um yeah another probably is uh the contributors because when someone uh spent and invests their time into uh helping you to fix your tool you really feel something like a magic happening really because i like wow this person who had a lot of experience a lot of job and <laughs> so a few times decided continuously to come and <laughs> help me with my job wow <laughs> that's nice so this is something i really love about open source and the users of course because when you have to like buy a tool before you use it this is i believe a pretty big uh, like uh, bridge to cover but when it's open source it's much easier to um, just uh, come and try and make an, uh, some opinion about your tool. And I think it's like, it's kind of a trend of, uh, I don't know, these days, right? So if you have something to share, why not to share? And I really want to support this trend. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's, it's, so you're working in this space where, where increasingly there are more, more tools it feels like well not every day but 
quite often there 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 are new kind of monitoring tools come out how how like mature do you find this space like do you find do you think that like we found like we know what most of the big abstractions are for monitoring and we just need to like implement it in a nice way now or do you think we're still discovering like the boundaries of of what this space looks like i believe there are a lot of things to discover yet just because the monitoring is the very um well uh, formed concept for software engineering uh, if you like do monitoring for some software service without any machine learning things you literally like know what to do right so there are a lot of standard tools you can use so you can um, use sometimes serious databases right to store your metrics you know what to calculate some latency cpu usage memory usage things like this um, and uh, you probably know how to set up an alarms who should do what when something fails and this is pretty standardized thing and what i can see from the community and from people who are trying to like solve uh, their uh, monitoring tasks they're trying to take uh, these uh, well-known architectures which are very good for um standard let's let's say standard services actually there are no standards because there are a variety of things but let me say just non-ml services and apply this architecture to machine learning things and i believe it's very logical but there are still uh, a lot of things that should be uh, adapted for machine learning what i can see a lot from the community that people trying to uh, over uh, complicate things and create a very complicated monitoring solution for machine learning models uh, even in situation where there is no need for that i really was super uh, surprised when i saw that people tend to monitor their batch models with help of calculating like literally uh, hundreds of metrics uh, and using the <laughs> primitives to store it and uh, update the remacy or log loss like every 10 milliseconds where you're like uh, <laughs> actually why you get these constant plots right <laughs> and put it in grafana and um I believe uh, it might happen just because when you try to Google monitoring for a software service, you get uh, tons of content which describes you how you can uh, set up this online monitoring with a lot of uh, tools and pretty complicated scenarios. But uh, I believe it's very important, uh, especially when you have new machine learning based service to really uh, sit and think about uh, what really can happen and uh, how you're going to react on this so what you really should do or who should do what and only taking this information uh, at hand this, this uh, design your uh, monitoring this easily can be just um, batch checks that you are uh, calculate every time you call your model and batch and this can be more than enough or, uh, of course, if you have like online serving model operated in the high load, then of course it makes sense to have a lot of things with time serious databases and visualization tools with alarms. So I believe there is no standards yet, but um, there are a lot of things that can be uh, created here. Mm -hmm. So it's a mix of, um, I guess, just your you're saying like it's um you need to understand your specific use case and whatever is going on for your specific data or however you construct your your system and then um depending on that 
check in with your your data and your models and the performance and the behavior uh, whenever is appropriate yeah i agree there and it's uh, super uh, interesting that sometimes when you try to uh, like figure out what is the uh, specifics of your use case and what can happen you really can figure out that there are not um, actually a lot of things that you want to add to service health monitor this will really happen especially if you have your machine learning model just to like do some fun stuff but no like nothing you uh, really care about and vice versa of course uh, also happens sometimes you really want for example to catch your outliers even before you applied your machine learning model and decide whether you're ready to apply uh, your model to these objects or you prefer to like use some rule-based systems or even send this uh, objects to manual review or something like this so it's really uh vary and sometimes i feel like people try to um um maybe optimize their time uh on deciding um what actions can be taken um, after you get this or that uh, failures and just trying to use some standard approaches and sometimes they can either get a lot of false um, false alarms like if you have uh, thousands of features and every day they are drifting but you really <laughs> don't do anything with this information and you just send this alert or vice versa when you like just um, use the service health monitoring for your machine learning model and it really does pretty uh, sensitive job you can easily miss something so uh, i always suggest to start from the uh, use case and the actions that can be taken if something goes wrong mm -hmm. have you seen any really um like weird uses of or like a very unexpected uses of evidently along the way uh i couldn't call it weird but unexpected definitely <laughs> so uh at the, at the very beginning when we just uh, created the public release of evidently we saw that um there are <laughs> some uh users uh probably from uh consulting uh, industries who tried to use uh, evidently to uh often uh, automate uh, their um customer report preparation or something like this and they asked to like whether it's possible to customize the color schema and add some specific brandings and you're like uh <laughs> oh, so like a yes. data visualization tool or something <laughs> yeah yeah and you're like oh we didn't really think about evidently as of as of a bi i think right so we were pretty surprised but now it's kind of possible with uh mm -hmm. your help <laughs> actually so thank you for adding these color schemas that's a very important thing for our users apparently and it makes a lot of sense actually mm -hmm. uh, and another um, interesting approach was uh, when we um, just released the API where you can take the uh, reference data set uh, and current data set so you could perform some comparisons for example to estimate the data drift or data quality so uh, we really expected that users will take the same model and just different batch, uh, batches of the model usage but uh, users started to uh, like use our tool to compare the models uh, on top of the same data set, but different models. And we were pretty like um, surprised by this behavior, but still that's possible because well, we calculate a lot of metrics uh, related to models quality. So this uh, definitely does make sense for uh, some comparison. Oh, and I just reminded about the last and probably the most surprising scenario. 
actually that's uh i believe that's pretty uh hard to develop tool uh that will work very nice uh on top of all, all, all different uh, data types uh, i mean good for tabular data pictures text and uh, things like this so we're still uh thinking about it but for now evidently uh, is optimized only for tabular data uh, and uh, once you got the user who tried to apply evidently for pictures uh, uh, no sorry for text and what he did he uh, took the um, encoder and uh, the vectors he uh, got out of this encoder and uh, calculated data drift on top of this uh, encodings of his text and actually it's technically possible to do right and probably if you see the drift you can uh, at least uh, interpret the drift size but really, <laughs> analyzing the drift of different like components of the actor is something new to me. Right. Yeah, I, I can can maybe contribute my own weird use case somehow. Like, so I've been using it for for a, um, uh, an image, um, uh, an object detection problem that that I've been working oh. on. So I. Um, uh i i use it elsewhere in the pipeline but the, the the super useful thing that i found was using it for synthetic images which i created to compare where i create a whole bunch of metadata about the image um not just the the width and the height and the the kind of the color patterns in the in the images but then also the object like the boxes on on top of like which are overlaid on top of the the image the number of them the size the orientation proportion of the image so i create a whole bunch of metadata and then i separately i do um synthetic image creation um so i try to yeah replicate the original images somehow to help with my training and so i've been using evidently to um kind of get an approximation for like how how well i'm doing at creating really good um or similar synthetic images um yeah that's probably not what you built it for originally <laughs> but this doesn't this definitely makes more sense to me because when metadata is the tabular data and you can use it in this way yeah. i think it makes a lot of sense yeah um so one of the, one of the things which i i um uh definitely i think anyone who comes into uh, who, who who joins it and who interacts with uh with all of you in the community have like found that like the evidently community and the how you how you interact with with users and so on is like yeah it stands out as 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 um as like a, a happy exception many many of these kind of communities aren't are, are either dead or maybe not so so pleasant to 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 be in I'm kind of curious, like how I don't think this came about by accident. So, like maybe you could talk a little bit about like how 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 you've how you've built that, how you how you think about kind of growing your community. Oh, thank you so much. It's so um, a lot of pleasure to hear it actually because it was a goal. And the um, little bit, I don't know. <laughs> probably I'll better say it to myself. Uh, so. Uh, I'm coming from data science community and sometimes it's like it was hard to come and ask some questions without uh, uh, like feeling yourself a bit uh, dumb person who didn't uh, did uh, his homework right and just decided to come and use someone's time to uh, get the answers and I really wanted to uh, have a place where uh, anyone can come and just share their thoughts and ask something and share something so uh, 
first of all, I wanted to have this uh, atmosphere in our company because we have uh, now <laughs> not many uh, team members uh, for now, but still we have two developers, we have community manager and we have data scientist. And our data scientist, she is writing a code and production code. And sometimes uh, when you have um, like uh, backend engineers and other team members who are writing a code, it's a bit hard to communicate because you never um, feel that you uh, good enough in uh, coding right and we wanted to have an atmosphere in our company where engineers can ask whatever they want about statistics and machine learnings without feeling bad about it and mm -hmm. same for data scientists analysts so we can just come and ask how do i implement this function in python or in typescript or like whether i'm doing something <laughs> stupid or not and it's uh, pretty okay and of course same for our community managers and managers so whoever can uh, make a call for like 15 minutes 30 minutes and just share what they uh, heard or saw on internet and how they <laughs> should think about it so we start from ourselves and just uh, somehow share this atmosphere um, with the team members and later when we created community there were only like at the very beginning few members and we really tried to uh, treat them as they are our colleagues <laughs> or uh, friends somehow I'm trying to really like solve the problem and uh, make everybody feel good and this is something we uh, care a lot when we hire people so we really are trying to somehow uh, feel whether they share this attitude and they really like happy about uh, helping out others and solving the problems so that's <laughs> how we started and now we have something like uh, on goals so uh, everyone like literally everyone answer the questions uh, I'm uh, holding the community calls and thank you so much for coming. It's really um, makes us feel <laughs> happy when you see it. And uh, we try to continue it this way and we try to generate a lot of um, content where we can really share the knowledge uh, and, for example, results of experiments. Uh, I mean, uh, like two days uh, or yesterday, we created, we published a new blog where we compared different uh, methods to uh, calculate and to detect data drift in machine learning. And we really made uh, a lot of exper experiments. We wrote the code. So it's not just like something you um, write for, <laughs> yeah, just for marketing purpose. So uh, maybe we do not uh, create enough content because we spent quite a lot of time for each uh, blog and for each piece of for example. But uh, we uh, believe that there are a lot of like uh, marketing in a bad sense uh, content available in the internet and we try not to like add up there, but uh, build something that makes sense. And actually, at least for now, it works well for us. Um, and uh, I believe people who uh, read such things, they get an interest and uh, try to like connect and maybe advise them. For us, there is really no problems if someone, for example, get this experiments that we performed with different uh, drift um, calculation algorithms. So we really uh, got this synthetic data, calculate and share the intuition. And we are uh, completely okay with the fact that someone can take this algorithm and implement it in other tools uh, or maybe um, just uh, use it as the raw uh, Python functions. Uh, I think it's still uh, very good when you share something with someone and people then started to use it and maybe later will come and share with you how it really 
uh, turns out like <laughs> maybe months later mm. when they monitored something with healthcare algorithms and this is something they're trying to like continue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think probably um, it feels to me like in the in the long term, like as more and more tools develop and maybe like most of the tools do kind of similar things in the end, like the community and the content that evidently does is kind of going to be your secret weapon because um, it like allows people to use the things, the features and to like understand what's really going on, which many yeah many tools don't don't invest as much in in that so um yeah i think that's yeah we, we do hope so at least even if someone will not use evidently i believe these um information and things they can learn will uh, benefit to the whole machine learning uh sphere if you can say so so more services will be more robust and uh, monitored mm -hmm. yeah for sure um, what would be apart from the the evidently blog? Do you have good uh, good resources or places that people can go to learn about, like the the challenge of monitoring and um, the kinds of problems that you help with? Do you have any suggestions? Um, uh, yeah, so we're trying to take part in some educational activities and courses, uh, at least like uh, to cover some parts related to data monitoring. And one of our recent activities is uh, MLOps Zoom Camp, which is uh, free and open. And uh, we will um, give uh, uh, lectures on monitoring part. So we will share some uh, information about <laughs> several tools, not only evidently. There will be some um, code examples with uh, MongoDB, Prometheus, Grafana, uh, Profit. So we share um, different um, share the opinion on different monitoring architecture so i really like uh, um let's say i really um eager to uh somehow share the thoughts that even if you have uh online monitoring uh, machine learning service you don't really have to uh, always create uh, online monitoring schema for this service you can still go for a batch especially if you mostly monitor things related to model performance and you don't really want to recalculate quality metrics after you get each new one object so we uh this um uh, we created two different monitoring approach batch one and online one and uh just uh shared it in this course so that's how we try to <laughs> somehow um interact with the users in uh, different um like uh, courses and uh, other places. So um, before we move on to the final final couple of questions, like what um, uh, can you tell us something about uh, what's coming up in the in the roadmap for for evidently and what what are you working on building at the moment? Oh sure, <laughs> I really like this uh, new thing we are working on right now. It is called test suits, and it's. Uh, strongly connected with the uh with these things um with this thing with batch monitoring because i really see a lot of cases where users try to build online monitoring solutions where they don't need to and uh, i'm really think that um we should keep it as simple as possible because when it comes to supporting things and uh, when it comes to maintenance we really prefer to like um simplify things uh and um what we are trying to build now is uh, creating these test suits, which will be the sets of tests for um, different um, uh, 
potential uh, for different kinds of uh, problems that can happen with machine learning models. So uh, we are working on uh, both um, a very nice API where you can just, uh, as we like, <laughs> show uh, your reference data, current data, and uh, select the uh, presets you like. And now we are um, do a lot of uh, we make a lot of efforts in creating these presets. So we are trying to make it reasonable and not uh, overwhelm user with the amount of different metrics, just <laughs> because we know how to calculate it. So just trying to make it reasonable, and uh, we created some presets related to the specific uh, cases. Uh, for example, uh, model performance assessment without having a target function. So with this um, delayed feedback or case uh, where you need to come uh, need to assess data quality right so we just created this specific use cases and covered it with presets and you won't really see what is a real thing because um probably it will be much easier to just get these presets and uh apply it to different uh parts of your pipelines um but still we have a lot of um, ways how you can uh, customize that so it will be very easy to create your own tests and add it to the existing presets so <laughs> a lot of work related to batch monitoring but we do hope that it will uh, help for many users because i personally saw a lot of uh, batch implementations on models in different different industries starting from <laughs> manufacturing and to some online marketing campaigns so uh, in different spheres, and I believe if it will be easy enough, more people will start monitoring their models. Exciting. Look forward, look forward to seeing it. Um, so we usually end with uh, with a couple of, of, of questions, which you can answer however you want. Um, uh, the first one is kind of what would be uh, either um, a best practice or something or like a specific, I don't know, test or something that someone could use to um, to make their uh, putting models out into the world like more robust. Hmm. <laughs> uh, good question. So, um, well, I think the best you can do is uh, when you build machine learning model, uh, make sure that you share the information about how it performs, not only with the engineering team. This is something that we usually tend to do, but also with all uh, the rest members who uh, somehow interact with the model. And here I mean um, domain uh, expertise, for example, some process engineers uh, and some business stakeholders like project managers or uh, business analysts. And they can um, <laughs> probably, they will prefer to use another dashboard uh, or uh, another report. But this is something I uh, suggest to invest in because this will help you to uh, really uh, make sure that model um, solves its business problem and brings value. Nice. It's funny. M many of our guests um, come on and they say, actually, the the tech is important, but really what's more important is like communicating with your team and like, um, yeah. Yeah, I agree here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what what is one kind of piece of uh, putting models into production that um, you feel um, hasn't been given enough attention by people who build tools uh, for MLOps? Mm -hmm. Very nice question. Um, I think uh, when it comes to building machine learning models, there are really a lot of tools that helps you to optimize the experiments and even 
um, deploy a model in production um, environment. But what is a bit uh, uh, where I can see a bit of luck is uh, how you can actually, uh, let's say, um, uh, retrain model in automatic way and uh, get this information about how it went. Uh, so I think um, very important, um, like next step will be to uh, create some tools that will automatically detect the right moment for model retraining. And here I mean uh, both sides of the metal, uh, where you do not um, retrain your model like on daily basis just because you technically can do that. Uh, but you estimate whether you have enough, enough of reasons to retrain it. So if you see new patterns, uh, data drift, for example, or constant drift, uh, together with the estimation of do you have enough new data to actually successfully train this model, then train it and automatically assess the quality. And here by quality, I also mean a lot of things related not only to accuracy stuff, I mean not only to quality and theory-based metrics, but also for some um, pretty sensitive industries. It might be things related to fairness, bias, uh, or quality assessment for a specific segment. There are a lot of uh, jobs that can be um, optimized there for automatic retraining, and maybe this will um, make the process of serving machine learning models uh, closer uh, to like uh, standard engineering services, where <laughs> after deployment, the quality of your service did not generally goes down, it somehow <laughs> stays right. the same. <laughs> and yeah, when you fix some bugs, it just became better and better. But for machine learning, it's just not the case, right? So you always try to like keep it uh, at the same quality level. So I believe these things with automatic retrain might uh, help as well. So, so more more automation to so that we're not just doing this what we currently do, which is like feels like a very manual process a lot of the time to to to, to maintain the the performance, like you're saying. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Um, I yeah encourage everyone to go and check out the blog, to use the tool, to check out the the documentation and so on. Like there's lots of lots of things for people to to go and look at. Yeah, thank you so much. I really enjoyed the conversation, and you bring up a lot of very important questions, and I feel like I should think about it later and maybe discuss with colleagues because yeah, there are a lot of things to like discuss. Thank you for listening to this latest episode of Pipeline Conversations. If you enjoyed what you heard, please consider giving us a review wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us get seen by more people. And of course, it's always nice to receive feedback. If you have suggestions for future guests, please send them over to podcast.zenml.io. Thanks. Until next time.